Well, good evening, Grace Church. It is certainly good to see everybody here tonight. Welcome those joining us on live stream and Facebook Live. Thank you for making this service a part of your evening, and we know it's going to be a blessing to you. By way of beginning tonight, I'm going to ask all of you to stand, and uh, I just like to enter into his presence with praise. I just think that's how we ought to do it. And of course, also prayer. Let's pray tonight for the service. Pray that God would speak to our hearts. And let's just spend a moment giving God some praise. How about that tonight? Would you join me? Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we enter into your gates with thanksgiving. We enter into your courts with praise. Lord, you're good. You're good. Lord, in a, in a world that is uh, just off kilter, Lord, you are our rock. You're our fortress. You're our strong tower. We thank you, Jesus, for your presence. And we thank you for this moment here tonight. Lord, we, we want to exercise our praise. We will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in, my, in our mouth. God, anoint and move and work tonight. Oh, that's it, somebody. Why don't you just let your voice be heard? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Boy, that felt good, didn't it? Felt the presence of the Lord. You may be seated. I mentioned to the gentleman at men's prayer on Saturday, uh, I oftentimes think about and when I'm praying, sometimes I will say, thank you, Lord, for the privilege of prayer. And I just believe that prayer is the believer's privilege. And uh, when we don't pray, then we're not exercising all of our privileges in the kingdom of God. And so I thank God tonight for the privilege and power of prayer and praise. Amen. Amen. I do want to open tonight by reminding you of a couple of things. Don't forget the Bible quiz kickoff uh, in the A Center Saturday evening from 5 to 7 with Sister Courtney Henson. And that's for every, all the parents and the students that have and kids that have signed up for Bible quizzing this year. So if you've uh, put your name on the dotted line and made the commitment. Sister Courtney would like to meet with you Saturday evening. And then a very special announcement. I want you to mark your calendars, pay special attention. Happy and excited to present this to you. Brother Daniel Gums will be preaching in the 11 o'clock service on Sunday, October 9th. That's just a couple of Sundays away. And uh, that is the Brother Gums that we all know and love from kids ministry. Um, and from the kids' crusades they did, but this is going to be a regular, can I say adult service, evangelistic service. He's going to be preaching the word in evangelism and evangelistic service, so we want everybody to come and be a part of that. And then finally, we announced Sunday the second annual Grace Church Chili Cook-Off on Octo October 29th. I almost said August, October 29th. And so now's the time. If you want to be, if you want to enter in your award-winning chili uh, in that contest, now's the time to talk to Sister Sheila over in the office and uh, get all the information from her. And uh, we're just looking for, last year was a, a tremendous success. This year is going to be no different. And uh, we'll just see what happens when we get out there. Amen? Amen. Uh, just quickly before Pastor comes to the pulpit to, to preach and teach to us tonight, uh, I opened the service just a couple of weeks ago talking about how the children of Israel were released, or, or at least uh, Moses asked Pharaoh to release them so that they could go in the wilderness and worship. And part, of their, uh, part of this whole uh, idea is not only were they, did God want to deliver them from Egypt, that was part of it, that was their deliverance, but also 
that, um, that they could worship him. So we're delivered from the world. We're delivered from sin. Yes, it, it is our forgiveness. It's our freedom. It's our place in the kingdom of God. But it's also the, so that we can actively worship him. The other part of that is that the word worship, uh, if, if you look into the, 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 where the, that word evolved from and how it, how it came to us in its present form, the old English form of the word worship was actually a word meaning worth-ship. So the worth of something, the value of something, worth-ship. So when we're worshiping God, we're telling him how much value he has in our lives, how much he means to us. And it's so fitting, I believe, and so interesting that Moses said, we want to go into the wilderness to worship. Sometimes it's in those wilderness experiences that we really understand and learn firsthand the value of a walk with God. We really understand the worth of knowing God because, because we know that he's bigger than any situation. We know that, that, that he comes through every time, and all we have to do is call on his name. I'm thankful tonight for the power and the majesty of the name of Jesus. And I want to do everything I can to celebrate his worship, his worthiness in my life. Do you feel that way tonight? God bless you. I feel that way. Clap your hands to Jesus. Pastor's coming to the pulpit at this time. Thank you, Brother Dave. Great to see you tonight. And uh, thank all of you so very much for being here. And uh, thank you for coming out on Wednesday night. And... Um, we welcome our youth group tonight, and uh, I love it that they're having youth service in the A Center on Wednesday nights, And uh, but I sure do love it when they're over here, too. And uh, if y'all would duplicate and just double, then half of you could go one Wednesday night and half stay here, and then we'll just keep rotating it back and forth, right? So uh, that's that's a thought right there. Uh, we love our, our young people, our JV team. And uh, didn't they do amazing Sunday morning to open our service? That was absolutely amazing. Let's give them some appreciation uh, for that tonight. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. And our connect groups are continuing to roll on. I'm still excited about that. I'm as excited now, if not more, than when we started. And uh, we just just keep hearing good things about our connect groups. And... Uh, I'm excited about it, and uh, this semester of Connect Groups is going to be ending before we all know it, and uh, it's it's coming quick, but we're going to do it again, so uh, hang tight. I haven't asked anybody permission to to announce what I'm about to announce, so if I, if I needed to ask somebody, I, I'm not really sure who that would be, so I'm just going to go ahead, but I'm going to let a cat out of a bag. We have been, we announced our up and coming Christmas banquet coming up in December, obviously. And uh, it's going to be a wonderful, wonderful night. It's going to be good food, good fellowship. And uh, we're going to bring in a speaker, but it's not going to be anything serious about it. And uh, if you've ever heard this man do his fun comedy stuff, then you'll know what I'm talking about. And uh, we're still going to bring him here to preach here and there and what have you. And uh, so we'll have to discern between him being serious in the pulpit and being silly at a Christmas banquet. But Brother Greg Albritton is coming to be our 
our entertainment for our Christmas banquet. And I'm excited about that. I wanted you to know that tonight, but I also want to know, I want people to see how awesome it is to come on Wednesday because sometimes you're privy to things before the regular Sunday morning crowd. So see, it was worth coming already, right? Now, we still have another secret about the Christmas banquet. And I thought about breaking that loose tonight, but I'm not. I'm just going to save it. Our, our youth group loves it when I do that. They just anticipate secrets. They love secrets and they're just antagonized. They love being antagonized with this. So, so we have another special announcement coming pertaining to our Christmas banquet. So please be in town, plan to attend. It is going to be a lot of fun. Amen. I want to go to the Word of God tonight and uh, would like to read tonight just one verse of Scripture and one that will be familiar at least to some. Revelation chapter 21, verse 7. He that overcometh, he that overcomes, shall inherit all things. This is right at the end of the book of Revelation. Every, everything earthwise is over at this point. It's eternity. It's Jesus is talking about, he's speaking here, and it's talking about eternity. It's, it's the heaven reward etc. He that overcomes shall inherit everything over there. What does it mean to overcome? We, we hear that word. Um, we've, if you've been in church for any length of time, you've heard it. You got to overcome, got to overcome. To overcome what? What is he talking about when he says he that overcomes? Overcomes what? Well, we're going to dive into some of that tonight, not nearly all of it, because the list is literally endless. But the biggest obstacle that you'll face of something you'll have to overcome is sin. <clears throat> I want to talk to you for a little while tonight about he that overcomes. He that overcomes. In the two of the last books of the Bible, John spoke much about those that overcome. And in fact, of the 33 times that the word overcome is used in the entire Bible, 17 of those references are found in the books of 1 John and the book of Revelation. In the final days of his life, John was given visions, as we know, and revelations that none of the other apostles ever experienced. John was taken up into the holy city and given a vision of things to come. And I believe he shared this vision with us so we might catch a little glimpse of what our eternity holds. These last words of John record some of the most important requirements, not options, but requirements of our walk with Christ. I talked a little bit about heaven this past Sunday. Listen to Pastor now, notice the screen. If we ever hope to walk on streets of gold or sit in the throne room with God, we must live an overcoming life. Jesus was very clear in Revelation 21, verse 7. It said, he that overcomes, not good intentions, not I tried, but he that overcomes. Seven times in the space of three chapters in the book of Revelation, Jesus admonished the seven churches of Asia Minor, that is the country of Turkey now, essentially. He admonished them to overcome that which was 
in this world. The Bible said that John was in the Spirit on the Lord's day and when he received a word from the Lord to share everything that he was about to see with the seven churches of Asia. When John turned around to see the voice that was speaking to him, he saw seven golden candlesticks and in the midst of them, the seven golden candlesticks is a type of the church, in the midst of them he saw Jesus Christ. In the hand of Jesus he had seven stars in his right hand and he had a sharp two-edged sword protruding from his mouth, which is a type of the Word of God. The seven churches of Asia all had at one time embraced the truth, lived the truth, and shared the truth of the apostolic message. At one time, all seven of them did. They had been apostolic through and through. But over time, everybody say over time. Over time, though, many of the false doctrines and the, worldly, and the worldliness of that time, of that culture, began to creep into these churches, slowly but surely destroying them all. Many of them kept the appearance of a good good church, good people, good folks, what have you. But their heart, their heart was no longer in the truth. What God saw, for the most part, disgusted him. Through the vision that he gave John, God rebuked every one of these churches except Smyrna and Philadelphia. What really catches my attention with this that there are only two out of seven that did not get a certain rebuke or reprimand from God. There were five churches out of seven that were not right with God. There were five out of seven that was not ready to meet Jesus. So if you consider that and apply it to today, you could say about only 29% or so of apostolics are really ready to meet Jesus. That's not all denominations and all churches everywhere. These are apostolic churches. <laughs> when I think of it that way, it, it literally scares the living daylights out of me. And I believe this writing is for our time. It was a reality then. But from their example, we should learn. And it relates directly to the modern day church. It's going to be in existence just prior to the rapture. So could it be that God is warning us? Take a look around today. Is it possible that only 29% of us here tonight are ready to meet Jesus? Is there only 29% of all apostolic churches ready to meet Jesus? I'm not saying that is a truth, but it is something to think about. I hope the percentages are far more in our favor than that. And I thank God tonight that he loves us enough to give us knowledge and understanding of what we need to do to be ready to meet him. I thank God for that. And if we're not ready, it's not going to be on him, it's going to be on us. That is right.
his message to the church, to those five churches, was simple. Repent, get forgiveness for what you've done, turn around, make a 180, live a life that overcomes the world. Live a life. He's telling them, what I want you to do is live a life that overcomes whatever it is going on in your culture that's destroying you. Live a life. He's empowered us to overcome sin. He's empowered us to overcome worldliness. He's empowered us to be right with him. So here's the ultimatum that Jesus has given in Revelation 21.7. If you want to inherit all things in an eternal way, then you're going to have to overcome things in your life that causes you not to be right with God. To him that overcometh, the Greek part of that means to him that gains the victory or is a conqueror. This may refer to any victory of a moral character. could refer to any victory of a moral character and to the expression used Uh, the expression used would be applicable to one who should triumph in any of these four respects over his own easily besetting sins. The Bible teaches, stop that. Just stop it. To overcome the world and its temptations, over prevalent error, Obvious error, in other words, interpreting the Bible yourself to suit your own needs, stop that. Number four, over the ills and trials of life, so as in all these respects to show that his Christian principles are firm and unshaken. This is being an overcomer. Life and the Christian life especially may be regarded as warfare. You fight for the things you want. You fight for the things you desire. You can fight for your family. You can fight for your job. You can fight financially. All of these things. It's a warfare. It's constantly. It's every day. It's every day you're fighting for something. The same is true spiritually. And thousands fall in the conflict with evil. Thousands fall in the conflict of evil. But But those who maintain a steady warfare and who achieve a victory shall be received as conquerors in the end. There's a lot of substance, more than we can unpack tonight. When Jesus said, there's going to be people that's going to tell him, we've cast out devils in your name, we've done all these miracles, and he's going to say, depart from me, I've never knew you. There's reasons for that. And there's people that, because God honors their faith, they think because of that, that they're right with God. Listen to what we can inherit, what we will inherit when we overcome. I'm going to share this with you and read these verses. They're not on the screen, so listen very carefully. To the church of Ephesus, he wrote in Revelation 2-7, To him that overcomes, Jesus promised to the uh, church of Ephesus, To him that overcomes will I give to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. Who doesn't want that? 
to the church of Smyrna, he wrote, He that overcometh shall not be hurt of the second death, or you won't go to hell. That's what that means, very plainly. To the church of Pergamos, he wrote, To him that overcomes will I give to eat of the hidden manna, and will give him a white stone, and in the stone a new name written, which no man knoweth, saving he that receiveth it. To the church of Thyatira, he wrote, He that overcomes and keeps my words unto the end, to him will I give power over the nations. To the church of Sardis, He that overcometh and the same shall be clothed in white raiment, and I will not blot out his name out of the book of life, but I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. To the church of Philadelphia he wrote, He that overcomes will I make a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go out no more. And I will write him upon the name of my God and the name of the, of the city of my God, which is New Jerusalem, which cometh down out of heaven from my God, and I will write upon him my new name. To the church of Laodicea he wrote, To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame and am set down with my Father in his throne. Anybody want that, or would you prefer the other option? There has to be a motivation for us sometimes to want to achieve and inherit the kingdom of God and literally heaven itself. These things motivate me. Again, especially when I consider the options. I don't know about you, but I want to be an overcomer. I want to sit in the throne room with Jesus. That's what I want to do. That's what I want to do. And I am determined every day to see to it that that happens. So what is it that these seven churches were called to repent of? What were they called? Why did God talk to them about things they need to overcome? Certain of these churches had different problems. But suffice it to say that any one of their sins would have forever separated them from God. I'll also have you know that it is believed by the huge mass majority when you read unto the angel of the church of Smyrna and the angel of the church of Philadelphia and so on, that's actually talking about their pastor. It's not a literal angel, it's talking about their pastor. So listen to some of the things that God confronted them with when he was challenging them that if you want to overcome and inherit heaven. This is what you need to do. The church at Ephesus left their first love. God was no longer there first. Think about that tonight. That is, that is a reason that you can give God not to give you your inheritance, your eternal inheritance. I love the Lord and I want to serve the Lord but not more than something else. That's where a lot of folks are living today. Folks in Grace Church are living like that. I believe that's where most of Christianity is today in our world period. Pergamus was going the way of Balaam. You remember the story of Balaam. They associated with idolaters. They partook in their pagan festivals. And they committed fornication. Balaam, in the, the Hebrew part of it, is, uh, or the Hebrew uh, definition is, Balaam is not of the people. 
talking about Israel. Balaam means a foreigner. I'm working on a message and a huge inspiration I got from Brother Greg Albritton. I think I've mentioned it to you, and I'm, I'm still working on that. I will ask you who your mother is, as far as the church goes. Balaam means the destroyer of the people. It corresponds to the Greek uh, Nicolaos, the conqueror of the people. Uh, namely by having seduced them to fornication with Moabite women in Numbers chapter 25. And just as the Nicolaitans that lived in the New Testament with the time of the apostles sanctioned the eating of things sacrificed to idols and fornication. Others in this group were going the way of the Nicolaitans. They were similar to that to the way of Balaam, except this group was even more liberal they believed that adultery and fornication was acceptable. They were mixing their beliefs with pagan rituals. Some in the church of Thyatira held the beliefs of Jezebel, who called herself a prophetess, but taught that fornication and idolatry were acceptable. This was going on in apostolic churches during the apostolic era of time toward the end of the New Testament. And the same thing is happening in the church of today. There's young people, there's, young, there's, there's elements of young people born and raised in apostolic churches that believe in the friends with benefits idea. Think it's okay. Sardis was a church that had faith without works. They didn't back up their faith with any action. Laodicea was lukewarm, proud, and increased with goods and in need of nothing. I believe all seven of these attributes of these seven churches are manifested in the modern apostolic church of today. I do. And pastors get behind their pulpits every Sunday and Wednesday nights and they wail against that. Only to have it fall oftentimes on deaf ears. When I looked at the sins of these churches, I could see that they were facing the same things that we're facing today. And it's amazing to me what a vision that was given to John 2,000 years ago that is so applicable to us today. Very simply, this is what we're facing in our time. The religions of our day are pressuring the true church to let go of some things so that we can fit into the mainstream Christianity. It's called the ecumenical movement. A lot of you are familiar with that. Let's all just come together. We'll believe the same thing. We'll come up kind of with our own ideas so we can blend all religions together. God never intended his church to blend with anybody. God intended for everyone else to blend with his church and to be like his church and do what his church says. That's what God wants. And I will submit to you tonight that adultery and fornication have reached a point in our society that it's become accepted as the norm. I read an article just yesterday. There's, there's virtually every state in our union, if they have such a law, it's not enforced, but I know Louisiana years ago used to have a law that it was against the law to commit adultery. You could go to jail for doing that. Not anymore. It's acceptable. Politicians can't vote in some law like that. 
for obvious reasons. Folks, we can't, if we want to be God's church and if we want to inherit that awesome eternity that God has, has prepared for his church, we cannot let our guard down. I'm pouring my heart out tonight. Look, it would be somebody, two people sent me, a, a shared something with me that um, uh, we was uh, Brother Enzi shared on uh, social media about how euphoric it is to backslide. It just takes the load off, man. I'm free. Hallelujah, I'm free. I don't have to pay my tithes. I don't have to worry about holiness standards. I don't have to show up for church anymore. This is going to be wonderful. And it is for a space of time. It is. I'm not, I'm being real tonight. It is. But after a while, be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. Folks, we have to persevere. We have to persevere. I'm pressured oftentimes that, Pastor, if you let all that holiness stuff go, this church would grow and grow and grow. I've known too many men that have done that, and their church ain't grown one iota. All they've done is lost about half of their church is what they ended up doing. The church we, what, inherited in, in Youngstown. The pastor told me that out of his own mouth. The building we, we got in Youngstown and a handful of people. He said, I wanted to go charismatic because I wanted our church to grow. He ended up resigning it due to horrible health conditions. And half the church was charismatic into what 20 people we, we, we got out of that. And fortunately, somehow or another, Sister Murph and I brought every last one of them back around to apostolic faith. We did. It took a long time and a lot of work, but we did it. But I believe God honors men and women who will look culture in the eye and look trends in the eye and look norms in the eye and say, I'm not doing that. It is contrary to the word of God, and I'm not going that direction. I appreciate your support, but it would have made me feel better if every one of you were on your feet, pounding your hands together and say, preach it, Brother Murphy, preach it, Brother Murphy. Maybe next time we'll get to that point. It's a lonely job what I do. And I told you Sunday God called me to preach the gospel. Not something that's going to make you feel better. And God said unless the church, he told the seven churches of Asia, unless we repent, unless you repent of those things, you will not be an overcomer and you will not inherit eternal life. You need to think about that. We all need to think about that. I don't know how much you think about heaven, but there's not a day that goes by that I don't. And it's been that way with me for years, years. I want to go to heaven. And I am proud and thankful to announce tonight that there are some here today that have already overcome. You're overcoming every day. We have strong men and women in this church that have determined, I am not going the way of sin. I'm not going the way of worldliness. I'm not going that way. I'm not going to do those things. I'm not going to live like that. I'm not going to live a compromised life. I'm not going to try to fake Christianity. I'm not going to try to act like everything's cool when it's not. You're determined. I'm going to stand flat-footed on the Word of God. I'm going to stand flat-footed. Why don't all of you get up and clap your hands and say, I believe that, Pastor.
Amen. I believe that tonight. There's people here tonight that you ain't turning back. You're not turning loose. You believe what you believe, and we're going to move forward in the name of Jesus with anointing and power and direction and might. This is God's church. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Thank you. Thank you, and you may be seated. John acknowledged this in 1 John chapter 2. He said, I write unto you fathers. I write unto you fathers. Because you have known him that is from the beginning. And I write unto you young men. Because you have overcome the wicked one. You know what I saw up here Sunday. With his JV team playing and these girls up here singing. Is they're just taking the devil and just. I could take that talent. I could take all of that ability. And I could use it anywhere on this planet. But I've decided I'm going to come right up here. And I'm going to entertain by God. Because I love him with all of my heart. And he said I write unto you little children. Because you have known the father. He's talking about dads. He's talking about teenagers. And he's talking about children. He said I have written unto you fathers. Because you have known him that is from the beginning. I have written unto you, young men, because you are strong. And the word of God abides in you. And you have overcome the devil. Again, he's writing to parents and teens and children who already have a relationship with God, who already know God and have, over, have already overcome the enemy. I am literally this year... Virtually every service, there's two or three people that will walk up to me after church and encourage me, keep preaching, thank you for preaching, keep on, keep on, don't quit, don't quit, don't quit, and you don't know what that means. We first overcome the wicked one at an altar of repentance. We overcome him again when we're baptized in the name of Jesus. And we overcome him again when we receive with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And we're hugely, we hugely overcome him again when we live it every day, every day, every day. I feel a Joshua spirit here today that says, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Everybody else can do what they want to do, but we're going to serve Jesus. We're going to live it with all of our might. We're going to do it with all of our might. We're going to stand tall. We're going to stand firm. Hallelujah. I feel the Holy Ghost here tonight. We first overcame him when we repented and were baptized and filled the Holy Ghost. Jesus said, even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it sees him not, neither knows him. But you know him, for he dwells in you and shall be in you. This is you and I today. This is our church today. We know him because he dwells in us. We are overcomers. We have overcome by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony. We have claimed the victory through Jesus Christ. Read the back of the book. We win. I just had something. I'm going to get off my notes for about two seconds. Is it possible to share your testimony with God when you're praying? Have you ever thought about that? God, I thank you for what you've done for me. 
I thank you, God, for saving me. I thank you, God, for delivering me. I thank you, God, for healing me. I thank you, God, for God. It's a testimony. We're overcomers by our testimony. And I believe when you, when you start praying that way and stop crying and say, poor me, and lift up your face and your voice and you declare, you declare, God, I'm thankful for what you've done for me. I'm thankful you've brought me this far. I'm thankful to be filled with the power of the Holy Ghost. You're overcoming when you do that. You're telling the devil, you didn't win that last trial. You didn't win that last battle. You didn't win that last skirmish I had. You didn't win that last temptation with me. I hung on to my faith and I've overcome that. I've come through God. I can, hallelujah, I feel the spirit of God here tonight. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank the Lord. So we know that we are victorious. We have a ways to go. We haven't won the prize yet, but we're, we're winning. And there's one huge challenge that comes with winning the victory, and that's maintaining it. And that's the challenge. It's one thing to receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. It's a whole other thing to keep it. Ask any boxer how hard it is to keep their championship belt. You put a target, they put a target on their forehead, they put a target on their jaw, on their back, they put one everywhere. And it's hard to maintain. It just takes all the more training and it takes all the more discipline. It takes all the more accountability. We must maintain the victory. We must maintain it. And I believe that the church is in its final minutes. I believe it's almost midnight. And we're about to claim the greatest victory the world has ever known, has ever known, has ever known. And yet at this very moment, we're fighting an enemy that is so very dangerous not because he has more power than us, but it's because he has nothing to lose. When you read the word, you'll see that Satan is guaranteed defeat. He knows what his future is. And since he's already lost his battle, all he can do is take as many down with him as he can. And that is exactly what he has set out to do. Sister Murphy and I had the conversation on the way to church tonight about ministry. And I believe the devil is, he's doing his dead level best to wear out the saints of the Most High. Just wear you down, wear you down, wear you down. Let me go to the sporting arena for just a moment. One of the key ways one team can beat another team is to wear them down. Wear them down. Just get them so tired they can't, they can't stand up anymore. They can't play their, their game plan anymore. They're, they're too tired. They're too weak. And that's what the devil is trying to do with the church. Satan is coming at us with everything he has, every device, every trick, every temptation, every snare that he can set for us, he will set. We have to find a way to stay on top. We have to find a way to be that overcomer. We cannot let down for one single moment. We cannot give up the fight for one second. We cannot let the devil get his foot in the door in our life. Don't give in to the devil's devices. Don't give in to his tricks. Hallelujah. Jesus didn't call us to overcome and then fail. But he calls us to live an overcoming life until he comes. Keep doing what you did the day you came to God. Keep coming to the altar of repentance. Stay on your knees till God fills you. Keep drawing closer to him every day. That's how we keep the victories. When you stop that, when you quit praying... When you stop repenting, when you, let me tell everybody here tonight, 
The minute you feel like you don't repent, you don't need to repent, that's when you need to run to this altar and say, God, talk to me right now. Deal with me right now. John commanded in his epistle, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. The next statement is powerful because if you love the world, the love of God is not in you. That's what the Bible says. In a nutshell, we maintain our victory by loving not the world nor the things in the world. That's how we stay on top. That's how we keep the victory. This is how we make heaven our home. If you want to overcome, this is what you do. God goes, uh, John goes on to warn us about false teachers deceiving and being deceived. Are there any around here? Yes, there are. Let me tell you something. I used to think when I was a teenager, when the Bible talked about false teachers, I always talked about it was like satanic occults. I could never imagine a truth-preaching preacher ever ceasing to preach the truth. Never thought it would happen when I was a teenager. Surely these are like satanic occults. The Jim Jones and all these people. The comet guy that's going to live on a comet somewhere. That's what I thought that that meant. And it saddens me so deeply to say, yes, we've reached a time in our country, even in our state, where men that used to stand behind a pulpit like this one and proclaim the same message that I do my best to preach here every Sunday and every Wednesday now do not believe that anymore, and they have told me they don't. Don't believe it anymore. Don't believe it's required. Holiness is not required. I don't know where you get that from. It's a spirit of deception, and there's people that is buying into it. You can't be deceived, folks. Just because pastor teaches something here that's Bible, that's the truth, you leaving and going to another church where they don't preach it doesn't make it right. You need to understand that. You can leave and you can pick your church, whatever. You can pick their doctrine. But it's not going to change it with God. And you need to remember that. That needs to be branded into your brain. Don't do that. John said in 1 John chapter 2, verse 20, But you have an unction from the Holy One, and you know all things. If it is in the Word of God, it is a truth. And be very careful about those who add to it or take away from it. He went on to say in 21, I have not written unto you, because you know not the truth, but because you do know it, and that no lie is of the truth. John wrote this, not to those who knew not the truth, but to those who knew the truth and reminded them that they could never reach a place where you can ever lie about the truth. get up and tell people I used to preach and teach that but it's not required anymore there was a church not far from here a man was born and raised and out of a very strong and a very strict apostolic church happened years ago and I know it can take you to the building where it happened got up one Sunday morning and said I have an announcement to make he was very strict and strong in holding the standards and decided 
got up one Sunday morning and said, I've talked to God and I believe God has led me where none of that is necessary anymore. He tore that church apart, tore it apart and then moved out of state. It's amazing to me that they can't stay and clean up the mess. I just can't take scriptures in the Bible and summarily interpret them the way I want to to make me feel better. Can I be a little more transparent here tonight? I have said this to people. It would make pastoring an apostolic church a whole lot easier if it wasn't for holiness standards. you're trying to buck the tide of culture and you have people who said in your church that it's they just want that so bad it doesn't matter what the bible says it doesn't matter to them what it says i want it so i will make the bible conform to what i want folks listen to the pastor tonight i believe this with all of my heart and i've got all of the all the bible to back it up if we stand on the truth of the word, if we live the truth, if we teach the truth, if we abide in the truth, we shall have over eternal life. We shall be overcomers. John said in 1 John chapter 2, verse 24, Let him that therefore abide in you, which you have heard from the beginning, talking about God himself, if that which you have heard from the beginning shall remain in you, you shall also continue in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that he hath promised us, even eternal life. Grace Church, now is not the time to be less. It's not time to look for a loophole. This isn't the IRS tax code. This is the Bible. We have to stand for the truth. We have to stand for the truth. I am not. God help me tonight. God help Sister Murphy tonight. I saw a picture of a pastor's wife just several days ago, and it has devastated me. I can't believe it. It didn't even look like the same person to me. How does it happen? How can you be raised and taught all of your life one thing and then just in just a matter of weeks and even months just totally change into something totally adverse? You could say, well, Pastor, you're just on a high horse right now and you'll settle down after a while. I don't know. The, the further along we get, it seems like the more determined I am. I just, just, uh, and, and I, I've, I've got to preach it. I, I would to God I could pass out just big old plumes of cotton candy here tonight all over the building and all of that. But I'm here tonight to remind you that God didn't call the church to be weak and flimsy and to do what's right in your own eyes. He called a church that would love him, and he said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments if you love me. You love me. You love me. It's a strong statement, but I believe in the contrary to that, that if you're not keeping his commandments, you don't love him no matter what you say and no matter what you do, if you truly love him. Man, I'm not nearly finished, but I've, I've got to stop have a brother that used to pastor in Donaldsonville years and years ago was so plugged in and he said he had a dream one night and I'm concluding with this and I've never forgotten it I've never forgotten it he told me this story 
I don't know, 35 plus years ago. He said he had a dream one night, and in his dream he saw he was standing in his church in his pulpit. He looked out at his congregation, and he, to him they were beautiful. They were all dressed nice. The men had on their, their suits and or sport coats and their neckties and their dress shirts, and their hair was combed, and the women were just stunningly beautiful, just dressed, and their hair just dialed up in the Pentecostal hairdos, especially way back then, and everything was just amazing. And God spoke to him and said, this is how you see him. Let me show you how I see him. And he saw very weak, pale, anemic. Their clothes was ragged and torn. He said, that's what I see when I look at the church. Never forgotten that. And oftentimes I think of it when we show up here on Sunday morning. And what I see, and I tell the ministry team often that, man, Grace Church is amazing. Listen at the buzz. Y'all have heard that. And listen how people are fellowshipping. And everybody looks so nice and all that. And I'd be terrified. For God to show me what he sees. <laughs> I'm asking everybody here tonight. Families, reaffirm your commitments. Reaffirm your commitment with your kids. School pulls on them hard for all kind of junk. Stuff that ain't going to benefit them for five minutes after they graduate from high school. I know somebody. It sold out to the school culture. That's as specific as I will get. And the parents didn't say nothing. Do whatever you want to do. Make your own choice. And that person stood right there in that center aisle about halfway back and cried and cried and cried and said, if my parents would just support me, I would be here every service and I would turn my back on everything. But I just need to know they're by me. Mom and dad wouldn't do it. Very challenging now to get that person to come back to church for any reason. Over something that happened in high school. I can't be more specific than that. Parents, write it down and tape it to your mirror that you dress in front of every morning. Put it on the dashboard of your car. Dads, do it. As for me and my house. We're going to stand. I commented to Brad. Saw him Monday for a few minutes. And I said, your adorable little Bryson sweeps my heart away. Braylon, listen to me. I see him in that prayer room. How old is Bryson? Nine. Nine years old. Got on his suit. You know why? He wants to be like his older brother. he walks and he has that little hand up and them eyes closed and that little mouth going 100 miles an hour and back and forth he goes, back and forth he goes, back and forth he goes I want to tell everybody here, when you see your kids do that and when you see church kids do that, somewhere behind that child is a parent or parents that supports that I saw Braylon leave the altar one Sunday I don't remember when Bryson received the Holy Ghost, but he was seeking for the Holy Ghost. Braylon ran and got him and brought him back up here and sobbed and cried. And it wasn't too long after that that Bryson was filled up with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. It says for me and my house. 
Don't be weary in well-doing, for in due time you'll reap if you faint not. Rejoice not against me, O mine enemy, when I fall, for I shall rise again. When the enemy comes in like a flood, God promised I'll raise up a standard against him. If I was about 20 years younger, I could run the aisles right now. It just feels so amazing to know that I'm overcoming the world. I'm winning this battle. I'm not going down. I'm not getting worse. I'm going up, and I'm getting better as I go. That's the way I feel about it. Thank you. Stand with me tonight. I'm finished. Let's give the Lord some praise tonight, shall we? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It feels a little bit like Sunday night around here to me. <laughs> Thank the Lord. I feel the spirit of the Lord. I feel the power of God. And I feel like God is saying, yes. Yes, that's my church. Yes, that's my church. Hallelujah. Thank you. I, I got to quit. I got to. Okay. God bless you tonight. Thank you so much for being here. Lord willing, we'll see you Sunday morning. <laughs> Hate to dismiss like this, but it's gonna, that's what it takes right now. So God bless you. Fellowship with one another, and we'll look forward to seeing you Sunday.